And now, the starting lineup for your... Gangsters, what's up, guys? I'm a slacker. MV. I'm not going to debate you, Jerry. God bless the internet. What the hell is going on out here? Hello and welcome to Flicking and Screaming. I am Jed Sprague here with my co-hosts, JT Chipman. Who's your daddy, Jed? And clearly a quarterback, Evan Fagundis. Hey, guys. Starting QB. Uh, and this week we are dipping our toe into American football season <laughs> with a versus for the ages. Remember the Titans versus any given Sunday. But before we get in, to all the Omaha's gentlemen, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing really well myself. I'm uh I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm playing in a little golf tournament, so I, I don't know. Ooh. Anytime you have a round planned out, it just feels like such an exciting thing. Um, but also been seeing a lot of movies in theaters, uh, catching up with these movies. Honestly, watching real football. I am a fan of of football, especially um, NFL football on Sundays. Go to the Cal games on Saturdays. So. Uh, there, there's a lot of football in my life right now. I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling great. This is, you know, the late summer that San Francisco gets. What more can I ask for? Chip, how are you doing over there? I'm doing good. A little beat up. It's a high wedding season. So Diana and I are just carting ourselves around the country right now, seeing friends and family for weddings. And it's been a lot of fun, a little less time for movies in there, but that's okay. Cause we're out here making memories. So how are you, Jed? Uh, yeah, I'm doing all right, man. I, uh, I'm starting to come out of what felt like like a three week just like hell fog, um, which is is lovely. There's there's nothing like the uh, like the sun, like the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, And you got a little bounce in you today. I see it. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling good uh, and excited to be talking uh, about a sport that, frankly, uh, I have distanced myself from not like necessarily intentionally, but just over the last like 10 years. That's why I jokingly said American football uh, is just because, you know, those that know me know that I uh, follow Premier League soccer uh, pretty heavily. And so it's kind of funny uh, to like this is actually a really good way of getting me almost like excited and interested in me like, oh, should I fire on fire up the NFL this weekend? Like, I mean, I'm not going to do it this weekend because it's the Ryder Cup, but. You know, next weekend, next weekend for sure. Um, but no, I mean, I think when we talked about this and wanted to do a versus of like two good football movies, I think the thing about football is it has captured the imagination of some really good filmmakers and artists. And I think there is a lot, actually like a surprising amount of like great football related art. In the same way that like Kevin Costner, uh, you know, really leaned into the baseball thing, uh, you know, in the in the 80s and 90s, um, there have been some people that have leaned into football like more broadly, and I think I've used it as a vehicle to deliver some like really uh, potent messages. And I I I think that both of these movies are an interesting uh, kind of paradox between each other. And I'm interested to know, kind of Evan, from your perspective, why did we land on these two out of the sea of football movies? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think so. The easiest answer. So I I feel like Remember the Titans is very nostalgic for people our age specifically. Um, 
I mean, it's a Disney movie, right? So, like, it was playing on TV all the time when we were growing up. Um, it, it felt like it might have even been the intro to Denzel for a lot of people. I know it was for me, I think, when I was younger. Um, and then any given Sunday, I think, is just like when you're thinking of football movies, it's like, what's the most fun football movie we can pick? And it's fucking Al Pacino as a football coach. Like, I feel like that's just, I mean, quite simply is so in line with our interests here on this podcast, not necessarily football itself, but like football is very cinematic sport, I think because of how physical it is and how like intense it is, you know, you, you can be melodramatic and it makes sense. Um, and, and nobody does melodrama better than our guy, big Al. I think it's great because you've got the Disney, remember the Titans, and then like this is the movie that you watched in study hall, like when the te- or, or like or like exactly. you know the gym teacher's filling in substitute teaching, so he's going to put on remember the Titans because he doesn't actually want to teach the fourth grade class. Whereas any given Sunday is like the movie that you heard about in fourth grade that you wanted to watch, but that you didn't have access to yet, right? This is what you hear about in the playground. You're like, oh my God, did you hear his fucking eyeball fell out in that movie? You know, so to to put the two of them together, um, kind of a, I mean, Remember the Titans is still pretty gnarly, honestly. There's still like, it's it's not a squeaky clean movie, but compared to any given Sunday, you're hitting both ends of the spectrum uh, with the football experience in America. And I think especially with any given Sunday, it's wild that that movie came out in 1999 because it is so relevant to every mm-hmm. other conversation about the NFL that we're still having on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, it's so I, true. I think for me, the easy, the reason this was such an easy choice literally just comes down to kind of what you talked about, Evan. It's Denzel versus Pacino. I mean, mm-hmm. it's two of, it's two of, our greatest living actors, you know, doing roles as football coaches. Like what else, like what else do you want? Like if, if a football coach is like a high school's dad or a town's dad, I guess, you know, depending on, on uh, the size and like the importance of football to, uh, to those towns. I mean, those, those are, are some of our dad actors. These are people that we grew up uh, watching these are roles that were like pivotal and I think they're not roles that necessarily they're overly celebrated for because their catalog so big and their catalog uh, you know often is so much more um, I want to say like serious I'm not saying that these aren't serious movies but it, it's these are their b-sides and they're still like fantastic performances and I think that's what excites me the most about it is I love going back and visiting like uh roles where actors like great actors clearly could have mailed it in and didn't yeah these movies are a bit unfairly roasted i think that especially i think remember the titans is looked at as maybe cliched or something of a childhood that doesn't actually reflect you know or or is hokey and then any given sunday is like okay oliver stone too high in his own supply pacino on the down slope right and i just think that's completely inaccurate for both of these movies. I, I actually think these are two genuinely fantastic movies that have gotten a bit of a bad rap. And I know we'll get to it in Legacy, but I just want to front with that I love these movies so much. And I there is a certain thing with football movies where they can kick a little more ass in terms of sports movies. Like, the baseball movies we really like, I think we like because they're heartfelt. We like because they're, they're tender. Um, or in the case of Moneyball where it's about the process, right? Both of these movies, I just think, rule so hard. Like, Any Given Sunday rules in in a different respect and is um, more excessively violent. But remember the Titans, 
actually drives home a lot of violence too and while it arrives at you know somewhat of a hokey disney ending i don't think it pulls any punches on the way there i think if you make remember the titans in 2023 you are not having a lot of that dialogue on screen and you're not showing a lot of the frankly hardcore racism that this this southern town is going through yeah i mean especially not as a disney movie right um but i agree with you both there's something about the physicality of football i think about like what are some of my like other favorite sports movies like my favorite sports movie of all time you know other than surfs up the you know the animated movie about uh, the surfing penguins uh is miracle you know about the 1980 mm-hmm. u.s olympic hockey team and again hockey and ice hockey another incredibly physical sport and mm-hmm. not just physical in like the game atmosphere but physical in like the training um and i think a lot of it has to do with sounds right like the soundscapes of baseball is like a bat cracking you know a crowd roaring it, it again it is a lot more of like that like emotional build football hot contact sports like it's pads crunching you know it's it's um it's like grunting it's it's people like physically putting themselves out on the line and that makes for such interesting noise. And I think for me, like that's what I noticed um, watching both of these movies is how much you get drawn in by what's happening in the background of like a lot of these, you know, a lot of like the key conversations in the movies and everything. There's so much uh, like raw energy and just the noise alone. Uh, I mean, inherently, right? Like without getting into it too much, and and it's going to make a lot of sense with Oliver Stone. Football movies are almost parallels of war movies, right? I mean, like in football, they literally say in the trenches and you hear the same sort of things. You fight for the man to your left and the man to your right. Like the the speeches that football coaches give can almost be the exact same speech that, you know, uh, a colonel or a lieutenant or something are giving in the, a war movie before like the final charge. Denzel takes them to fucking Gettysburg. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. They're soldiers, yeah. man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they say things like, you have to be willing to die for this shit, which is just the most ridiculous thing in the world. Um, all right. You guys right. ready to play Versus? Let's do it. Let's do it. For those of you uh, that are just tuning in uh, to your first Versus, first of all, welcome. Welcome to the fucking show. Uh, best game in <laughs> podcasting here. Um <laughs> we are going to pit these two movies against each other in different categories. Those categories are story, sound, cinematography, and acting for five points from each of us. Overall feel for 10 points from each of us. And legacy that has another 10 points, but collectively from all of us. Each movie has a grand total possible score of 100. Whoever comes out on top with the most points he's clearly the best movie. Chip, kick us off. I want to get your story scores. Story scores. Okay, let's start with Remember the Titans. And I alluded to it earlier, but while this is a Disney movie, I can't help but wonder how Disney would have treated this story, this this real-life story that's based on a, on a real-life story of a black head coach overcoming stereotype hardcore racism and using football, using this sport to unite this town. And obviously there's a little bit of tragedy thrown in there. It's a tale as old as time, but there's a reason for that because it's based on a real life story. And Denzel just gives the movie so much heart. I think that I I just love that they don't pull any punches in the movie. I really do get fired up. Like this is a movie that makes me believe in like basic liberal values that 
oh, actually, if you just have a couple of conversations, everything gets fixed. And all you, and if you have do a little bit of yelling, then everything's going to be okay. And honestly, there's something to be said too about like Denzel as a coach today would be like, oh, this guy's toxic. Like this guy's abusive. Like this guy can't be in charge of high schoolers. And that's like true to an extent. But he he rallies the troops together, man. And he's got to whoop a little ass and call him some names. And he's got to make them, you know, he literally deprives them of water at one point. And he's like, this is a good thing for you that I'm not going to give you guys water in this humid, you know, uh, southern sun. Um, but, man, it just it just fires me up. Like, I fully buy into the, the Kool-Aid that this movie is selling. So I think I'm probably going to give it a five. And then <laughs> for, for any given Sunday, this, I mean, this movie is, like, so stupid in a lot of ways, but also so completely prescient of things. Like, there are so many parallels with the CTE storylines, with offensive coordinator versus head coach storylines, with ownership that – we're still kind of happening in the 90s, but continued and I think escalated from where this movie came through. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how Oliver Stone, I think, saw through the NFL's bullshit. And it's so interesting, too, that the NFL was working with him initially on this movie. And then they saw what he was trying to do and they said, actually, you, you know, you're not going to use any logos. We're not going to partner up with you at all because you're too on the nose. And I have to respect him for that. The story of Pacino's character and the story of Fox's character, like the rise and the fall, it's just it might be colored by the numbers, but I was like fist pumping the entire time. So I think I have to go a five for that as well. Evan. Nice. Um, I'm going to go fours for each. And, and now remember the Titans. So I, I think one thing that that can be clarified is that. A movie can have a good story, a story that I'm very interested in. And I could not agree. Like, I don't think what happens in this movie is the key to solving racism. Like, do I think it's accurate that basically what this movie says is through a football team winning, literally every single white person in this town turns around to like being not racist by the end of this movie? And like, is that realistic? No, not at all. And like, do I think that teachers showing that in a classroom should be saying like this is how we solve our problems by just being mean to everyone and having everyone come together no i don't necessarily think that but like for the sake of the movie it makes things so goddamn exciting like you actually do buy into this team and um the 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 plot understands that it just needs to let denzel cook right like one of the one of the weaker points is some of the family around these main characters um there's actually a ton more attention paid to to Yost's kid, a little Hayden Panettieri, than any of Denzel's family. But the movie understands that, like, that's not what this is about. Like, it's it's not about this man's personal journey as much as it is about how this man chose to coach this football team and, and what it meant, how they became winners. So for there, for for Any Given Sunday, Any Given Sunday knows exactly what scene that we need whenever we need it right like it has the party scenes thrown in it has the lavish dinners it has tons of fucking football which is amazing um it has the the crooked doctors it has the offensive coordinator like they're the only reason this isn't a five for me is just because it's so much some of it definitely doesn't make any sense. Like, I have no idea what's going on with Cameron Diaz as the owner moving the team. Like, I'm very confused by the whole she's going to sell. She's not going to sell. They're selling to people. She's going to be the one who moves them. She's going to sell them to people who are going to like that stuff is probably not even necessary. 
muddies things up a little bit. Um, so I won't give it a five just because I don't completely understand everything that happens in this movie, but it puts us in all the right situations. It's as close to a five as a movie that's this like complicated can be. I, I, I just want to say I appreciate you clarifying the, the podcast's official stance on the racism and remember the Titans. I fully endorse it. And what you said is accurate. I was Fair not enough. even saying I, I know. Yeah, that you guys are wrong on anything. I just was like, I was thinking it as I was watching. It. I no, was like, it was, okay, this I, is no, not, it needed to be said. It needed I to don't, be said. Here's when's the last, here's the question is when's the last time you watched Remember the Titans? For me, it had been years. And so years. I literally like 25 like minutes into years. the movie, 25 minutes in the movie, I go, oh my God, I forgot the whole plot of this movie is that football solves racism. I forgot that like, that is literally what we're like. That's what we're pushing. Uh, the Hayden Penetier character extremely problematic in my personal oh, opinion. Crazy, um, she's crazy. A, little, a little too good. You know, one of those performances where I'm like, damn, you put some emotion behind those she's words. She's incredible, him, but like, uh, goddamn. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> as far and then, uh, I agree with both of you on any given Sunday, and so I'm giving it a four as well. Uh, I and remember the Titans. I'm giving it a five, and I'm gonna give it a five for this reason, and it's the only thing I need have really to add to what you guys have said. I think what I love about what they did with this movie is they didn't make Denzel their like reluctant leader. Like the circumstances upon which he becomes the head coach, right? Is like he basically is he comes up thinking he's going to be the assistant coach. He gets made a head coach to appease the like by the school board to appease the school board, right? And rather than being like, you know what, coach, like like you know, I didn't want this. This got put on my plate. You know, we can work together and like that's how they solve it. He's like you know what? But, you know, I didn't ask for this, but fuck it. Like, this is my opportunity. So I'm going to run this shit. This is my show now. Like, it's not, you know, there's no, there's no bullshit anymore. You know, he's even like, I'm going to let, you know, the previous head coach stay because by the, my, you know, by my grace. And I like that, like how they give him that commanding, like presence from early on in like the way that he handles that entire situation it just sets the stage for, like you said, Evan, it's not a lot less about like, how he's like rallying a town together and just more about how he's coaching this football team and the byproduct of that, what they're trying to say, maybe we don't agree with, but like, goddamn, can this man coach a football team like that? And I think that's like what remember the Titans is remembered for, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for that reason, I, I think it's a five for me. Um, after the first round 14 for remember the Titans and 13 for any given Sunday, Evan, I'm going to kick it straight back to you uh, for sound scores. Okay. Sound scores. Um, so I have a five for any given Sunday because the soundtrack is absolutely incredible. Um, Oliver Stone is so good at, at creating sound. I, I think he's like one of the best directors at just creating an atmosphere with sound, whether it's music, whether it's score, like a soundtrack music, whether it's score, and then what's actually happening in the movie. Like, when people, every single play of football in this movie is so accurate in that it is just a pure collision. And, like, violent, violent, violent collision. It's not just the guys, like, screaming, uh, you know, at the end of a play because, like, 8,000 people get hurt in this movie, which is exactly true if you watch, like, an so, NFL Sunday. So um, yeah, so many, not, not necessarily eyes popping out, but, like, there are a lot of gruesome injuries, um, but like every play, the pads hitting sounds like two 
you know, like two by fours being slapped together. And it's just incredible stuff. And like, obviously all the, all the rap and hip hop, you know, and the way that they incorporate that into the story and, 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 you know, it almost draw us into the story by like introducing us to this music at the, at the same time that the characters are kind of introducing other characters to this music and, and like a lifestyle is really cool. Five there. I'll go four um, for, for, remember the titans i actually thought it it, the soundtrack is really pretty good it's very very on the nose um i I thought some of the football stuff could have been a a bit better sound wise but um them having spilled the wine in in the soundtrack is just incredible stuff and like the only movie outside of boogie nights that i've ever seen it in which is just like or heard it in which is just like kind of ironic but they have you know clean or creedence clearwater like they really hit the they really hit like the you know mid to late nineties points, but um, yeah, I'm with it. They're, four. They're go- they're going for it for sure, with all their all the mid to late nineties stuff. Yes. Uh, Chippy boy, give me your scores. Uh, just immediately to counter with a strong five for remember the Titans. This is ludicrous. <laughs> um, Bob Dylan, The Temptations, Dude, it's incredible. Marvin Gaye, yes. Has, like this is this is unbelievable. Now, especially compared to any given Sunday, it's very polished. I think it it almost feels classy, you know, when they're singing along to Marvin Gaye as opposed to Creamin to, to Willie Beeman Creamin the Ladies or whatever <laughs> any given Sunday, right? But um, no, it's just it's just really fantastic. It is a movie that you want to sing along to. That's the intent. The characters are singing along. You want to sing along. But it's an easy way to identify with the characters. It's an easy way for the movie to say, hey, put yourself in these pads. Put yourself in the locker room. And it really works. It's the crunching on the football field is not as violent as any given Sunday. But there's no movie in existence that sounds as loud as an Oliver Stone movie. So it's almost an unfair comparison, I think, in that sense. I think it still does a really good job of putting you on that football field. Um, there are some like brutal hits in this movie. Like there's a couple of of hits where a player just goes spinning completely around and granted you don't see them um I don't know, you don't get like the extreme close up on on someone's anguished face like in any given Sunday. But there's some wild ass and, and pretty loud hits. And then I'll go I'll go a five as well for any given Sunday. Um it is the new metal and the rap elements of this movie, it's so unhinged. Like, it's, it's such a grody movie in a lot of ways. Like, there's DMX playing. There's Jamie Foxx doing his thing. And then Jamie Foxx at the end getting to sing, like, the movie's theme song is unbelievably good, right? And it it weirdly ends the movie on, like, kind of a smooth note because it's, it's a any given Sunday, you know? It's a smooth jazz song, and the whole movie has been the most violent jazz song you've ever heard. So it almost throws you for a loop a little bit, but... I mean, they're both I mean, like there's there's that like Native American song that he plays like 15 different times, like to open (laughs) the movie opens with a Vince Lombardi quote and like Native American war cries. Right. That's just uh, Oliver Stone snorting some coke and saying we're doing this in the studio saying, okay. I mean, yes, I, I agree with you. I think I'm fives for both of them. I'm kind of like right in, in the middle. I think the ambient sound of any given Sunday is like almost only rivaled by like Gollum screeches in like the two towers as far as like the pure, like the pure decibels. The amount of times when I was watching this movie howling that I had to like turn it up and turn it down 
and where it was like, oh, my daughter, like <laughs> my daughters are sleeping right now. Fuck. Uh, you know, like just cla- like classic at home movie experience. Um, and remember the Titans, like talk about color by numbers. Like this soundtrack is the most color by numbers thing, but it's the fucking I mean, that's what we love about that. I, I mean, at least that's what I love about that era of like Disney movie is like they weren't so they were so polished in so many ways, but they weren't so over polished in in like a lot of like the it didn't I don't know it, like all the dialogue all the the writing didn't necessarily feel as like cut and dry, so it just feels like perfect in a nostalgic kind of way and and it's a five strictly for everywhere we go like mm-hmm. I mean that that is so iconic and um such a big part of like the legacy of this movie that I think um it's got to be fives. For both, for me. Um, so yeah. With that being said, it is all tied up now at 28. As we head into the cinematography category, Chip, bouncing it back to you, my friend. Where? Let's see. I don't know where I want to begin here. I mean, with Oliver Stone, right? Um, there's just a like burnt sunlight throughout the entire movie um he makes me uncomfortable uh, with his like do you see does it do you feel the same way like i'm yeah. not saying this isn't a bad way you on every edge. every oliver stone movie visually i just i really like it like i'm just like god like there's something about every single one of his movies that that really like bothers me and not necessarily like, bothers me in like a way where like, i won't want to watch it but where i'm just like constantly thinking about the way it looks um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. He, he's a director who really lives in the editing room or either that or his editors in the editing room know exactly what he wants. Like, I mean, just chopping, chopping, chopping a lot of zooms, a lot of quick cuts, a lot of like intercuts, jumping back and forth, splicing in cuts from Ben Hur. Right. This movie is <laughs> rabid, essentially, uh, in, in how it looks. I remember there's there's a like halfway through the movie it cuts to a game in the rain and I think I just audibly gasped at how wild it looked and I mean the way he shoots these guys whether it's in the rain or in the sun he shoots them like giants and like gladiators and it's you know you can say it's easy to do that with people in in football pads but he cast real football players he put Lawrence Taylor in this movie he put I think Terrell Owens in this movie like he put real giant human beings in this movie and then used crazy lenses and perspectives to make them look like twice the giants that they already are so it's very easy to get overwhelmed and to feel uncomfortable because I think you are meant to feel very small and like you're on a roller coaster that you really can't get off and it's one of those roller coasters it's not just up and down it's back and forth it's upside down loop-de-loop right that's what it feels like in an oliver stone movie and i understand wanting to get off that ride when you're like 90 minutes in and you look at the runtime um but that that to me puts us i'll put the cinematography i think at a four um because i think editing is an element of the movie but it's not cinema like cinematography itself by itself and putting it at a four when you factor in the editing it's to me a clear five but cinematography is is a four there and then um for for remember the titans it's like a little bit plain jane but it's like the best kind of plain jane i mean i love the opening with the funeral right and you get the fall you got the autumn leaves popping and you just you put yourself in football season already that's a really smart way to enter you into that time of the year right I love the like white uniforms 
in the practice field and the way they get really dirty when they're at that training camp, that's a really, really good touch as well. And it's just like it, the movie knows what it needs to do in certain scenes. So when there's a scene where Denzel and Will Patton are like arguing in the office and all of a sudden it's these like amazing cinematic close-ups of their faces. And it's like, am I watching a Jonathan Demi movie? Like it kind of comes out of nowhere, but it doesn't, um, doesn't, do that unnecessarily i think it knows exactly when it needs to do those certain things when it needs to be really cinematic when you need like a lot of shadows like when jerry's confronting ray and saying he's off the team because he's not blocking for everybody so i'll give i'll give it i'll give it a strong four there as well two fours um can we talk really quick about the about the funeral scene why is everyone the same age except for like two people they age up like super hardcore and then the rest and then the rest of the cast they literally uh they like hide gosling because he looks the same they like hide him in the very back i mean they like do like a couple like it's literally like i'm trying to think who do they uh it's wood harris as julius they give him like a mustache and they're like look at look at how he's aged and then there's like one other guy that they like kind of like give like make him look like he's losing his hair and the rest of the fucking cast look like Denzel hasn't aged a day. Like they're, uh, you know, like who else, who, who else is like, Oh yeah. Will Patton hasn't aged a single day. No, they like uh, trying to put some color in his hair, but it doesn't look good. No, no. There's so many, like, it's so weird that, that those decisions, it's like, just have everyone look the same. If everyone's going to look the same, but whatever. Um, for me, Remember the Titans is a three. I think it's just like a little bit too down the line. Like they do some interesting stuff, but it just feels so like sports movie. And they're not doing anything like that. I necessarily find interesting, right? The bar for di- especially Disney sports movies is miracle. And I think it's the gr- it's the best shot, uh, like actual sports sequences in any sports movie ever. Like how like they got the camera on the ice with, uh, those people. And so like, I, maybe I've set the bar too high and I know that's after remember the Titans and maybe that's not fair. But when I just watch this, it's kind of just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't think the sports in particular look good at all in remember the Titans. There's some stuff that happens in the off the field stuff, but, um, the actual football, I don't think is great. Uh, and then any given Sunday, I've also, uh, got a four. I, I it's interesting. And I think that's like why I've got it at a four. I don't, it doesn't blow me away like enough to be a five. I kind of agree with you, Chip. Um, as far as like the editing, I don't know. We should have this conversation. Evan, like editing in relation to cinematography. I feel like this is like an interesting hot button topic of like, how much do we credit to in camera and how much do we credit to like what we like essentially what the cinematographer knows is going to happen in post. But, um, I think, yeah, three and a four, neither of them are fives for me. And I don't think Remember the Titans is good enough to warrant a four, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, the, I'll follow up the same thing with Remember the Titans. It's a three. Like, it's solid. It's actually funny. I was just looking. And Philippe Ro- uh, is Roosalot is the Remember the Titans cinematographer. We actually just talked about him on our last verses with Nice Guys. And I hyped him up a ton. Um, but also said at the same time, he'd also shot like Crimes of Grindelwald and like the Sherlock Holmes movies that are all gray and stuff. So like he's taking that he, money, baby. He's up and down. Mad at him for taking that money. Yeah. And and he he was great with, with the nice guys. It, it is just very down the line. Like most of the football shots are, you know, 
mid uh, medium shots with the with the guy's helmet right in the middle of the frame. Boom, quick uh, quick quick moving play um, plays over. Um, and same thing like the coverage. You know, like this movie is directed by Bo Bo's Yakin. We haven't said his name yet, um, and he's actually a good solid director he's made some good movies but he doesn't necessarily have the juice like that right like he i'm not watching this movie like wow this is a singular vision that we have here um now i'm not gonna jump all over you guys or anything like that you guys gave it fours any given sunday has a fucking vision every (laughs) single frame in this movie is meticulously planned out and i think this is where um you know obviously i was not in the room jed but like Every single one of those, um, you know, uh, uh, fade, fade in and outs, uh, the whip pans, all that. Like, I think the edit has been done long before this movie has been shot. Every single shot has been planned out long before. And I'm sure they make adjustments on the day. But it is too perfectly made. And and there are imperfections in the, in that um, perfect cinematography. Like, there, there are... Um, there is shakiness and stuff, but I think it only adds to this story. Like when they're shaking that camera in front of Jamie Foxx's face before he goes out there for the final drive, like that stuff is incredible. There's a shot in the final game where they're looking down the line at the ball being snapped and it's through a receiver's legs. And it's just like, I don't know how you ever think of doing that, but it is such an amazing perspective to get on a football game. Um, everything that they do shooting, shooting, the, the football games are incredible. The The way the camera the, is the inside. The shoots had to be helmet. so grueling and so long. It had to be so long. It had to be so long. But, like, clearly this is somebody who. Football, real football players. Again, I, I yeah. hate that I keep bringing up Miracle. But, right, that's the best decision Miracle made is for the basically everybody on the team except for Jim Craig, who was the goalie who they could literally put a mask on. They yeah. hired college hockey players like guys that like got done just got done playing college hockey and they were like we can teach them how to act rather than teach actors how to play hockey yeah like and they having real football players on the field makes a fucking difference absolutely the the camera is inside lawrence taylor's helmet in the in this in this movie that's the most incredible thing i've ever seen like um i I love the way I, i i'm obsessed with the way this movie looks i think it's like if I could give it a nine out of five, I would. Um, wow. I also think the way he shoots, he's so effective at telling a story with the camera. Like the way he shoots Cameron Diaz's house, it literally looks like it's worth a billion dollars. Like it, the, the the wide shots that he takes of like her living room, it, it, it looks bigger than any house I've ever been in. You know, the way the living room is shot. Like I just think it is such effective storytelling um, the way he does that, the spinning camera, even in scenes that make no sense to me, like the one where Dennis Quaid is trying to tell his wife that he's retiring and she slaps him in the face. I, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know anything about either of those characters. But the entire time the camera is spinning around like they're planning the heist in um, <laughs> in um, uh, the town, like it, every single scene is is just kinetic. I, I love it. So five there. You didn't identify with that scene, Evan? You didn't connect with either of their emotional arcs? I was watching the whole thing. I, I went back and rewatched it because I was like, I must have missed a, an, a beginning part to this scene that like gave some context. <laughs> I'm just thinking about you saying that Oppenheimer just looked like a movie with a guy who had a wife. <laughs> it's a guy and his wife. It did end up being a movie about a guy and his wife. That's pretty much what the movie was about. You were pretty <laughs> Pretty <spot> much. <laughs> you kind of nailed him. Don't bring in the sheets. 
We need a, you know what we need to do around the holidays is we should just do an hour long podcast that's just audio pulls of like the greatest of Evan one liner. You know, like just it's like giving the two minute context pre the one liner and then just basically us laughing uh, afterwards. We could we could for sure get like an hour and a half out of that after all the gold that he's drawn. Um, after cinematography, you guys. Uh, remember the Titans 38 and any given Sunday has pulled into the lead 41. Um, acting fives for both. And I'm not factoring in any other cast members. I'm just factoring in our two leading men. Off and the I, strength of the leads. Yeah, yeah. And I honestly, like, I think like there is a lot, there are a lot uh, of people to recommend, like talking about like Ryan Hurst is giving the perfect Disney movie performance. Um, as Bertie, Gary, uh, Jerry Bertier. Is that, that's how you pronounce Gary. his last name? Yeah, Gary. Yeah, Julius Campbell and him have fantastic yes. chemistry. Uh, I mean, obviously, like I, I think there are people on the po- like on the outskirts of these movies that do their things well. But when you think about remember the Titans, when you think about even Sunday, it's the two leading men. And again, it it just amazes me. Like this is the type of movie that the uh, the movie stars, the quote unquote movie stars that we have today, are just putting in sea level performances and fucking mailing it in. And these guys are just giving it. And I think it comes down to like, I've thought about this a lot of like when B level movies that have really good performances from like a level stars, like what is it that they're just so much more dedicated? And I just think it's, it comes down to the fact that these actors just have so much more to give. Like they're just able to just be great actors all the time. And I think, there's so much to recommend in these movies just from watching these two leading performances and watching them dominate every second they are on the screen. Uh, and so uh, for me, it's, it's firmly two fives. Uh, what do you think, Evan? Yeah. Two fives as well. I mean, the Denzel performance is, is such a powerhouse. It is, uh, astonishing. And like, I agree with you, Jed, this wouldn't necessarily be, I mean, it wasn't in like my top five, but, I, there are a lot of people out there who will point to this as being like their favorite Denzel, if not maybe first or second up there with, uh, you know, like Malcolm X. Um, I, any scene with Denzel and Will Patton going head to head is just incredible. I, I don't even think I would listen to a word that they say. I just love watching both of them act together. Um and yeah, everyone really deep cast. I mean, going all the way through to, you know, young Ryan Gosling and Hayden Panettiere. And it's like every single person who shows up, you know, you have a relationship to. Um, I, I agree. Wood Harris is Julius Campbell. I thought what was incredible that scene between he and uh, and Ryan Hurst as Gary um, at the camp where they first kind of confront each other, you know, when they have to get to know each other, I think is like maybe the best non-Denzel scene of the movie for me. Yeah. Um, great stuff. And then. I don't know what I go back and watch these post 1995 post 1992 Pacino movies and people who are in their 50s are like, oh, that's when Pacino went off the rails, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, what movie are you watching? This man is literally the best actor in the world. Like, what are we talking about? Do you, he is do you know what that is? That's pe- as a that's, washed up coach. That's people that are lit. I think that's people whose relationship to Pacino was literally. My favorite movie is The Godfather. The, the Godfather, movie right. that I care about is The Godfather, and he's not doing The Godfather. Yeah. But I, I think you're right. I, like that's what it is, right? It's like, but our relationship never to takes sides against the family. Like that's yeah. as big as he went. In yeah, those our movies. relationship to Pacino is so much more 
like broad, like in like yeah. his ability. And I think I understand like if you just see a guy who like basically gives this thing like one of the greatest performances of all time in a very restrained performance. And then then you get she's got a great ass. Yeah. You know, you're probably like, what happened to him? He's yeah. washed up. But it, yeah, he's just going. He loves to go big. But like he's picking projects that I think require him to go big. I, I think he okay, needed to go big in this movie. Oh. Uh, hundred percent it's like you got to look yeah. at the fucking material before you judge the performance um, yeah um and and i actually think like in that you know in the inches speech the famous inches speech i actually think he keeps it pretty composed throughout most of it's it it's not that big it's, it's really not. pretty steady it and is if there is any build it's it's like a natural build as opposed to the um i don't know like peaks and valley build that he does in his other ones so this one's it, it makes sense that it's building up to a high level it does. It does. And, and I actually think, and, and he goes up and down really well. Like, honestly, I, that's one of my favorite things about him. Um, I, I actually think it's possible. He might even have the second best performance in this movie. After saying all that, Jamie Foxx is fucking awesome in this movie. Um, it, he's so good. And, and is the, like, yes, it's a little bit of an exaggerated version, but like that type of player is out there. And, and I, I so believe it. He's obviously amazing. This is one of like the deepest casts ever maybe <laughs> like uh, i think that was the review that i put on letterbox but like aaron ecker is in this movie and does literally nothing like there there this movie is just an embarrassment of riches like matthew modine who what seven years prior to this was leading a kubrick movie is like a secondary doctor who has like one big moment and then is is kind of done um amazing cast jim brown and lawrence taylor also shout out as as two uh you know obviously real football players legendary football players who give really nuanced i thought and, and great performances especially jim brown i thought like really nuanced performance jim brown um, looks so cool in that movie too he does he's always it's got those such fucking a great sunglasses look. on such a Chip, great look before i let you give your actor scores i just want to say that i could i could listen to denzel and uh, Will Patton passively aggressively call each other coach like for my entire life and never ever get tired of it. That is like True. the greatest. It's the best shit about that movie. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been I knew these boys since they were youths, coach. And you, know, here you come telling that. me how to coach them. It's it's the sidelines stuff. How about you just worry about your defense, coach? Like <laughs> <laughs> like come on. We need the offense to score a couple more points, coach. Like, being in a dugout with, you know, head coaches and pitching coaches, you know, who are just basically bitching at each other about, like, what the other side is. It's, I mean, it's incredible stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, Chip, we're fives across the board. Are you Are you consensus? Easy, easy consensus here on the fives. I mean, I, I love that we're trying to incorporate everybody else as well. Um, I mean, Denzel's words are just punches in this movie. Like his his the, the words that his mouth forms turn into punches as soon as they reach the air, and it does not matter who they are going to hit. And it's it's unbelievable. I mean, like Will Patton, Wood Harrison, my favorite actors of all time. Avon Barksdale on The Wire. He's been in a lot of really really good stuff, and he never gets as much credit as he deserves. Uh, Donnie Faison as Petey Jones is really good in the movie as well. Uh, I love Ethan Supley as Big Louie Elastic, Big, Big Louie. Mm -hmm. He is a real, like, just a fun-ass character in that movie, right? Just and it's very... Legend. Exactly, exactly. Um, 
And then any given Sunday. Yeah, Lawrence Taylor, it's so wild that like an actual NFL player is like, I'm going to give this performance and talking about the things that he's talking about and going through yeah. when he's like asking Matthew Modine for that extra cortisone shot. And it's like, oh, man, you you've seen some stuff and you've done some stuff. You're not having to pull like you're actually speaking to your experience in this entirely fucked up league. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's amazing. Diaz is great, even if her character maybe doesn't always make the most sense. Like you said, Evan, I think just as an enigmatic owner who yes. is very possessive and is like kind of dealing with like the Nepo baby accusations mm-hmm. almost, which is very present in, in the world and also really in the world of sports, too. I mean, a lot of ownership. You know, uh, we we love the owners here and we we empathize with them when they have been handed a team from their parents. So glad to see they're represented on screen. But but it is like a good it's it's a good performance to dealing with that kind of stuff for someone who actually does care. Dennis Quaid, James Woods. Yes, James oh, Woods. Jimmy. Oh, my God. Does Jimmy W just just put up numbers in that entire movie? I don't understand how he talks the way he talks. It's like so fast and slimy and the guy is just dripping in scumbag <laughs> but at the same time he's dripping in scumbag but when he tells Pacino that's like oh I'm giving these guys a chance to do what they want I'm not going to get in their way it's like oh you actually do have a, a moral code you're not like some wimp you believe in the morals of this game and of what these athletes are trying to do so just just stacked cast top to bottom five out of can, five ten out of ten. Oh, can well, I just well, throw out oh yeah well I was going to say one more John McGinley Yes. Is that what you're going to say? Well, I wasn't, but I'm glad that you said that because, yes, that's another one. Is he great in everything, though? Is John McGinley great, like, fantastic in everything that he's ever been in? Like, I I love love his face. Great face. Yeah, great. A hundred percent great face. He's been cast so perfectly in so many movies. So perfectly. You know who else has a great face is James Karen, the guy who plays one of Cameron Diaz's uh, advisors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. And I'm pretty sure he is, because I've been watching it a bunch, I'm pretty sure he's the casting director in Mulholland Drive in my favorite scene in Mulholland Drive. He's the one who's like, Betty, welcome in. And, like, is, like, super creepy and holding her waist the whole time. Oh, shit. That's him. Another great face. Um... But yeah, just wanted to shout him out. Also, Lawrence Taylor literally has what I think is the best line of the movie. When at the at the end, when he's like, "Be careful with me, I'm worth a million dollars." That's a great, such a great moment. Yeah, yeah. And Jamie Foxx is is just absolutely amazing. I know you gave him a shout out as well, Evan, but he really does steal the scene from Pacino a couple of times. Mm-hmm. All right. Evan, give us your overall. Right now, it's a three-point difference. Remember, the Titans is trailing by three, 53 to 56. Yeah, I probably go a little bit too long on these, considering it's just a wrap-up of everything. But um, for any given Sunday, I am going to go an eight. I'm going to go an eight. Um, It it would be a little bit higher. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's even holding me back. Maybe it should be a nine. I don't know. I'm going to go an eight. And then remember the Titans, I'm going to go a seven. I mean, I think remember the Titans is about as good as a movie could possibly be given what is being asked of it by like Disney, right? <laughs> like um, obviously somebody wrote this script and they are like, we are going to solve racism in this movie with football. And I think the movie is as good as it possibly could be, um, considering that that's like the charge that it was given. Um, 
I actually love the way that they front load. Like the first 10 minutes is no football, really. It's a ton of front loading the like um, um, racial divide that that is being created by the white people in this town. And then from there on out, they get on the bus and it's just like football stuff. Um, and, and obviously there's the off the field stuff that's sprinkled in, but it's much more centered around the football. And I just think that's like a really smart choice and, and what makes the movie effective. Um, so seven there and any given Sunday, it's just an incredibly well-made movie. And, and it's amazing because it's probably like, you know, Oliver Stone's seventh best movie or something like that. But, um, I, I think that's just a testament to, to how great he is that even his, you know, what might be considered like middle of the line movies are about as good as you can make a football movie. Chip, what about you? I'll go nine any given Sunday and eight for Remember the Titans. Um, I don't have much more on Remember the Titans, but man, it's a Bruckheimer movie too. We got to give some shout out to JB, one of the great, one of the great producers. Um, and I also love that what you're talking about, Jed, with the back and forth between Patton and Denzel at the end of the movie, when they meet in the middle, it's the same ending as Top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> you can coach my defense any day. You can be my wingman any day. It's the exact same Top Gun ending. And I'm a sucker for that shit every time. So strong eight. And then any given Sunday, I love what you were saying, Evan, about how um, any from uh, the Titans opens with not football any given sunday the first 30 minutes is nothing but football and in fact there's i've never seen a sports movie where the first 30 minutes are just on the first game like True. most sports movies the first game is usually after there's been build up and it's also usually like 15 minutes at the most and, and often it's almost you don't even see the first game you just see the aftermath of like shit went yeah. fucking shit you yeah, know, like yeah, you yeah. just see the lot them walking to the locker room. Yeah, that's like exactly. You get like maybe a glimpse of a play. Instead, like Stone throws every trick he has at that first game. There's the blurred PTSD vision. There's multiple wild injuries. There's mm-hmm. the eye gouging. There's the puking. And at the end, you get that perfect pass from Beatman. And in a different movie, it just doesn't go down. Like in every single other sports movie, it doesn't go down like that but not this movie. And that's that uncompromised stone vision that we were talking about. It's a nine. All right. Uh, I've kind of gone a little bit reverse of you guys. Um, and that is because I am a sentimental man. Uh, and so I've got nine for the member of the Titans. Uh, and I've gone eight for any given Sunday. I'm not going to deny uh, how good any given Sunday is. But what I will say about remember the Titans is goddamn, is this just the nostalgia hit that I needed, you know, like, that I I just like watched this movie with such a smile on my face. It was almost like, huh, remember that? I forgot about that. I forgot that happened. Oh, this guy's good at coaching a football team. You know, I was just smiling. I laughed at the jokes. Um, I have no shame. I mean, Disney man, they 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 fucking they can do it sometimes. Uh, and they used to do it really well. And so for me, it's nine and then eight for any given Sunday. Any given Sunday is brilliant. Um, Oliver Stone makes me really uncomfortable. And this movie is zero exception. I would really, I would love to do like a whole episode about him. Maybe a top five, maybe a ranking. I don't know exactly what, but I, I want to dive deeper in my relationship with his movies because it like puts me back to being like 12 year old and seeing his movies for the first time. Me like, what the fuck? 
you know, like seeing JFK for the first time when I was 12 and just being like, well, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like every time I watch an Oliver Stone movie, there's something that connects me back to that feeling. Um, he hates centers of power, right? Yeah, like yeah. all of his movies are about any console consolidation of power is just pure evil, pure evil. And this movie, they don't even actually show any leadership within the, except for the commissioner at the very end, but he doesn't really do anything. They don't even really show any leadership. It's just like out there that they don't give a flying fuck about these players. The same way that the government doesn't give a fuck about the, the soldiers in platoon or, you know, um, the, the government conspiring against its own citizens and its own leadership in JFK. But I feel like that's a very uncomfortable thing. Like it, it's an incredibly cynical yeah. view he has uh, of, of the world. He also got Charlton Heston to play the commissioner of the NFL. And he has yeah. five lines. They're not even yeah. like it's not even a show stopping cameo. Like, oh, no. my God, look, he, he he like it's it's an interesting dynamic he has with Diaz. And it's clear that, like, he's a fascinating character. Mm-hmm. But it's not as if the movie stops for Charlton Heston. It's no. insane what Oliver Stone can do. Yeah. Um. All right. After overall feel, 77 for Remember the Titans, 81 for any given Sunday. So we've got legacy scores to give out, gentlemen. Any propositions? I want to know, what is Remember the Titans' legacy at this point? Because uh, I think it's, like, arguably the legacy, I, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but I would say, like, the legacy of Remember the Titans is people think of it as, like, one of the great sports movies. I think so. I think I've seen it kind of get shot on a couple of times, but I don't know if that's just edgy. I, don't think I, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard a negative word about it outside of people that are just like trying to be contrarian. Yeah. I feel like it's legacy to me, like here is like as a legendary Denzel performance. I actually hear of it talked about more in context of like Denzel's career than I do of people saying, oh, I can't wait to revisit Remember the Titans for. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny. The it's movie's like, sake. I, I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's for the movie's sake. Like, that's what I hear. Like, okay. that's what I feel. Yeah. Like, that's the, the pulse that I feel like I have on it is like. It is remembered as an incredible. Sports movie, not just an yeah. incredible Denzel performance. I mean, I, I'll put it this way. Seven. I want to now revisit this movie more just on its own merits as a movie. Like, I yeah. think before I had kind of written it off a little bit as being I would, good elementary I, school fodder or nothing more. I think the legacy of Remember the Titans personally is like a nine, just based on my like. And this is nothing to do other than like anecdotally, like the people that I interact with. What. Like their reaction to the fact that we were covering remember the titans is or like how often it gets talked about versus any given sunday like when i think the legacy of any given sunday it's the pacino speech like fairly or unfairly right yeah for sure no that's a the inches speech is a huge piece do you think people under like 20 years old watch remember the titans i would say more people under 20 years old would watch remember the titans on any given sunday no, I, I think hate, that's I hate true. to agree, but I think you're right there, Jed. No, I, I think that's accurate. I, I don't think many people under 20 are watching any given Sunday. But, like, remember the Titans is ubiquitous. Like, everyone knows 
I mean, even like let the boys play, right? I say that every single time I'm at a fucking football game. It's ridiculous. Every time I'm at a basketball game, whatever. And I'm I like, forgot the boys that play. I, I forgot, forgot that it was it from that. Yeah, yeah I, I literally I, forgot I, it was from that. I mean, I did it too. is. I, I, I scream it at 4.30 a.m. at Premier League referees when, you know, yeah, they're like pulling exactly. out too many too many cards. Like, let, let the, boys the boys play. play. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. You know, like I. Everyone in our generation has seen it, right? It's one of those movies that basically every single person has seen it. Basically, every single person knows we are the Titans. The like everyone Left knows side. that. Strong side. Strong side. Um, I mean, it, it honestly might be. A 10. I'm good with a nine there. I, I might. I, I don't know about that because what I'm getting at is like I don't know if people younger than us are watching. Remember the Titans. If maybe that's my brother, what my I son. worry is that people younger than us are watching the movie and getting on TikTok and saying, here's why this movie has aged poorly in its racial dynamics. I'd honestly you you could be right. I'd almost be OK with that. I thought you were going to say they're just watching clips of it on on TikTok and saying like they've seen it. And I'd be OK with that as well. Um, <laughs> if hey, if, they're, if that's how they're going to engage with it, you know, I'm trying to catch up here. Like, I don't want to be an old man yelling at clouds like if kids watch four TikToks and put them together and say that they've watched the movie. Like I just, by the way, cut to cut to like distressed Oppenheimer, Evan like this in like 10 years when David Fincher directs a TikTok short or something like a TikTok short. And Evan's just like, I don't care if people are engaging with this. Oh, fuck. I I just want to take everything you just said and like screen record it and send it to Martin Scorsese. (laughs) It's like Ari Aster comes out tomorrow and he's like, None of my movies will be more than two and a half minutes long from here on out. And I'm just like, this is good. No, this is great. We're moving in the right no, this direction. Is great, guys. <laughs> You're repitching Quibi. <laughs> Quibi with great directions. Try it though. again. Um, I mean, they did it with TikTok, right? Vine again. Again. Run it back. Run it back. Um, all I'm, right. I'm good I, with a nine. A nine? What do you think any given Sunday? Think, I would say it's a any given Sunday is a seven for me. Yeah, I think so, too, because I think it did get derived like I, I think that its reputation upon coming out wasn't great. Again, I think the people had a weird relationship with Pacino and with Stone at the time. I think that people didn't understand who Jamie Foxx was really going to be as an actor either. Um, and again, I think people were made very uncomfortable by this movie. We didn't understand as as a society um, just what football really did to people in 1999, and somehow Oliver Stone knew more than literally everyone else. Um, so now you watch this movie, and it's pretty spot on. And we have just we've just come to understand all of the creative people involved in this movie a little bit more. And sometimes it takes a little time for those things to sink in. Um, I think that there is a a a respect towards this movie amongst people like us and, and amongst sports fans as well. Yeah. I, I think this movie has gotten a big, it hasn't gotten like the widespread Twitter reappraisal that some movies get. Um, but I, I think people have really come around on it. I, I have heard from people personally who saw it when it came out in 1999, thought it was cheesy or didn't like it or whatever, thought it was overdone who like it now after, after revisiting it because it kind of got swept up. So I mean, I'd probably go a little bit higher than that just because of everyone who's involved, but I'm perfectly fine with a seven. Um, it's also amazing that these movies came out in back-to-back years. I don't think I actually realized that until looking right now. I thought it was, I don't know what I thought. I thought it was like 97 and 2002 or something like that, but it was literally 99 and 2000. 
Evan, it's amazing I, that Al Pacino made the insider in, in this year as well, right? Dude, what the fuck? This man was firing on all cylinders. What are people talking about? At some point, we're also going to have to talk about the, how bad the MLB like fumbled uh, like the national zeitgeist in 1994 with the strikes and how that resulted in the late 90s and early 2000s, yeah. basically all football movies. It was well. Is the two S's killed MLB? It was strike and steroids. Yeah, but steroids. Like, but you think about it. Like, I mean, that was that, ten years later, but it was yeah, still like. I I would argue that the just the steroid. Like, are you saying the steroid scandal or like the fact that people did steroids? The steroid scandal. I don't care that they did steroids. I think they should do them again. Agreed. Um, I think all all athletes should be allowed that kind of recovery, those kind of recovery tools. Um, all right. Well, I think that is the closest versus of all time. By looking at it, I have a final score of 87 to 86 in favor of... I believe, right? No. Yeah. It no, was 80... We, we gave a 7, right? Oh, you're... Yeah, but... Yeah, you're right, 81. you're right. My fault, my yeah. fault, my fault. 88, yeah. But still, very, still I, I don't know if we had one that close. Still very close. Any given Sunday with 88... Uh, and remember the Titans 86. I mean, that is that is about as close as you can get uh, in a yeah. screaming versus. I think I think if we had a Jed in one of these other two chairs, it probably would have been flipped to be like 89. Remember the Titans 87 in a given Sunday. So it's it's thin margins. I, no, I mean, I think he, I it, it got a fair shake. You know, I think where where we. Where it, it lost right was on the cinematography thing, you know, two threes. And I gave it, I gave it a three. And you know, to be so. fair, honestly, I seriously think after watching these two movies back to back, that is exactly where the difference lies. Like visually, yeah. Any given Sunday is operating on a whole different. Like any any given Sunday is like, yeah. You know, if if our if our ratings were like out of ten, I truly think it could have been you know like twenty eight to. 16 or something yeah, yeah. like that in that category. I think I think that uh, it was nice that we had a close one, especially after Mary Queen of Scots versus the Nice Guys was like the biggest blood in the history of versus. Um, but no, I mean, <laughs> that, that was great. I think these are both really good movies. Um, what I would encourage everyone who listened to this to go do is watch Miracle and see what a great a truly spectacular sports movie looks like. And you know what? The weather's starting to turn. Miracle, in my opinion, is one of the best Christmas movies there is. Um, don't at me. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you guys should all go watch Miracle. Um, and then afterwards, you should all burn uh, Invincible by Mark Wahlberg. Just burn a, a DVD copy of Invincible. After you watch a good sports movie, then burn Invincible. Um but thank you so much, as always, for listening. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at Flick and Scream on Instagram, at Flicking and Screaming. Evan, we did say we were going to get to your Oppenheimer blog uh, this week. But frankly, my friend, I forgot. Go read it, because we're going to talk about it next week. Because next week, we should have a lot of time to talk about the Oppenheimer blog, because we're going to be talking about our first ever short film in the history of this podcast. And that is the new Wes Anderson short for Netflix, The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. The Road Doll adaptation. God damn it. I'm excited, man. Uh, two Wes Anderson projects within three months of each other just like injected into my fucking veins. Uh, and one that everybody can see and everybody can see now and it's accessible 
and it's 39 minutes long, uh, and it has Rafe Fines, which is extremely important to me. Point of order: He's putting out four short movies this week. Are we? Well, are we doing? Are we covering all four or just the first one? Wait, he's putting out four this week. Yeah, he's putting all four on Netflix this week. The Wonderful cool. Story of Henry Sugar, and then there's The Swan, and then The Rat Catcher, and Poison. Are How? all this week? Are Why am I only seeing a trailer for Henry Sugar? Because Netflix is run by dipshits who don't know how to market their good product when they have an auteur who is just throwing material at them. I promise you this is true. Um, so We'll be definitely talking about all four of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, wow. Yeah, four shorts. I don't know. Breaking I don't know news, lengths breaking on news. all of them. Nobody who's listening to this, by the way, nobody who's listening to this knows that. I guarantee, yeah, and if you do, I apologize. But that is how bad Netflix is. Oh my god! <laughs> I love that I got to share this with you. But again, I, I think Jed's got to put on some new shorts. This is a fucking <laughs> and screaming first. <laughs> wow! <laughs> um, it's the fucking it's gotten hot in here. I knew they. I knew the other ones were coming. I did not know they were coming all this week. Yeah. Jed, put away that lotion. Oh my god! I don't need the lotion, man. I'm 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 already at completion without any any manual intermission. That is the uh, the aural stimulation that Chip just gave me, telling me that I had three additional shorts from Wes Anderson coming out this week. Uh, that's all I needed. Fuck yeah, we're talking about some Wes Anderson short films next week for Flicking Screaming. I am Jed Sprague, JT Chipman, Evan Fagundis. Have a good one, everybody. See ya. See ya. And now, the starting lineup for your Gangsters, what's up, guys? I got slacker. MV. I'm not going to debate you, Jerry. God bless the internet.